The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. And welcome to episode number 42 of the Boys of Tech for Monday the 9th of November 2009. To help me co-host the show, Brett King joins us over Skype. Welcome, Brett. Hello. Uh, Brett, it's it's been a busy week for you upgrading to Windows 7, I understand. Uh, it has indeed. It has indeed. It's been a pretty good process, I have to say. Probably the most painless process I've gone through. Yeah? Yeah. So what's what's the verdict in 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 terms of the the usability? A vast vast improvement over Microsoft's previous offerings. Well, it couldn't get much worse in Vista, could it? Really, let's face it. But well, you, true. <laughs> <laughs> but you have found some cool things in Windows Seven. Tell us tell us about some of the things you've discovered. Well, it's basically actually getting a chance to play with the things that they've been you know bragging about as features for the the new Windows Seven, and that is things like the the shake. The, the, the window shake. What, what's the shake? Tell me how it works. It's where you uh, click and hold on the title bar of a window and you give the window a little bit of a shake from left to right and it will minimize all of the other windows that you've got open. Oh, so it's a way of saying, I only want to see this window. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's and really it's just cool. so simple. That is and really cool. They, I thought it was a lot of hype when I first heard about it, you know, as part of all of the marketing buzz that came out about Windows 7 and the features in it. But, well, I, I use it all the time. <laughs> that is a cool fit. You know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I wish the Mac OS, because it's, you know, my desktop, I wish the Mac OS had that feature. Mm, it is really useful. I didn't, I thought it was going to just be another, you know, one of those gimmicky bits, but I've used it multiple times. And you just, Shake the window again and it brings back all of the windows. Oh, nice. It is indeed. And that's not the only one. The other things as part of the the, the hype, the, the marketing around it, which I thought were, you know, they're neat, but when am I going to use them? And I've discovered that I use them quite often, is the um the docking. They drag a window to the top of the screen and it maximizes the window. Or oh, drag the window good. to the left of the screen and it docks it to the left-hand side, half of the screen. Drag another document to the right-hand side of the window, docks it to the right-hand side of the oh, screen. Oh, so compare to two windows side by side, easy as that. So are you saying if you've got like two Word documents open, for example, you could two dock Word one to the left, one to the right? A, a web browser and a Word document, you know. Oh wow, that's cool. yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah, I've used it several times in the past two days alone. <laughs> So they, one, they've put a lot of thought into this then, haven't they? They have. They have. And I'm discovering new little ones, which I hadn't heard about um, all the time. New little bits in here. For instance, if you've got a window that opens up in the middle of your screen and you want it to make it, you know, you want to make it taller, all you need to do is grab the bottom of the window and drag it down to the taskbar and it will immediately resize the top of the window to the top of the screen as well. So it's that, like these... They need little time savers. How, how un-Microsoft. I, this is, they're changing, aren't they? They, they, well, they really do appear to be. <laughs> they're really concentrating on the user interface. And I, I suspect they knew they had work to do in the user interface. 
It mm. wasn't bad. I mean, okay, let's, let's be fair. You know, it wasn't bad. Oh, it wasn't it, bad at all. But it wasn't Windows innovative. XP it wasn't was smart. Brilliant. It was a little bit, you know, well, a bit boring, you know, a bit average. And yeah, now it was just making really... what they had created, you know, what they'd started with Windows 3.1 and Windows 95. They'd just been, you know, making it f- flasher, making it look nicer. They weren't really innovative, no, innovating but- in, in the user interface. They were just making what they already had work better or look better. But now they've, they've added these, these, you know, they've taken a step back and gone, how can we make what we have actually, you know, enhance the user experience of it, the, the ease of use? And they've really put a lot of thought into it. I have to give them kudos for it. I really want to play around with Windows 7 now. Mm. Really want to give that a go. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Though I I must admit, I did a full brand new install because I did not want to upgrade from Vista because I wanted nothing left of my previous (laughs) Vista install. I had had so many issues with that previous Vista install. (laughs) So I nuked it and started from scratch. Well, that's always the best way, though, isn't it, to to upgrade? And it's so much faster. A friend of mine, he upgraded from Vista. So he upgraded to Windows 7 from Vista, and it took quite a bit of time to do it. Um, So the install took quite some time, whereas the install from scratch, just Windows 7, piece of cake. It's like 40-odd minutes, maybe. And it's a you get a better result. The only thing you have to be aware of is backing up your data and stuff. But you know, precisely for people like you and me, that's not a problem. So no, no. we we people like you and me, we have our backup solutions in in hand already. Well, exactly. Yeah. Oh, good. That sounds really good. What else have you have you discovered? Any other little uh, you know niceties? Well, it's just it just looks nicer. It's got a lot of features which just make you feel more comfortable with it. Stuff to get rid of the clutter that your your window, you know, what you used to have with previous um, offerings, like the system tray. You know how the system tray in '95 it just kept getting bigger and bigger and big, bigger. Oh yeah, things little icons put in there. And then in XP they made it so there's that hide in hide inactive icons. That's right, yeah. It's a little arrow and it hides all of those other ones. Well, now with the system tray, you can set whether or not how you want the system tray icons to behave. So you can set them to always show up or you can set them to only show up in the system tray area if they have an alert or announcement or information to pass on to you. Otherwise, they will hide themselves. That's a lot so, smarter, isn't it? So, so it's it's really cleaning up the the clutter. That's really what it is. They've it done is. In, it's cleaning up. It's cleaning up the clutter, and it's just I've had a much nicer experience with Windows Seven. Now, I must I, say the the taskbar, the entries on the taskbar uh, are the you know little short, squat, square things instead of long oblong entries. Yep. Uh, I've heard mixed results. Um, you know, mixed feelings on that. What are, What are your thoughts? I love it. <laughs> it takes up way less space, way less space, and you just hover, and it will only put in one icon. So it starts to do what you want to. It takes to the next level what they started to do in XP, where it would start grouping. Oh tasks, yeah, yeah, grouping together yep. under yep. one, uh, but you know only after a few. So if you had a couple of them, it would start grouping them. But if you only had you know two, it would keep them as individuals. This one, you only get the one icon. And if you hover over it, it pops up a little box above it with a little, 
you know, the screen display of each of the windows of that application. Or oh, that, that's nice. That are open. Yeah. And then you can just, you know, go through those and click the one you want to bring to bring to the top. Give it a shake so that everything else goes away. Now, have they introduced virtual desktops or spaces or whatever they call it? Have you looked at that? Uh, virtual desktops? I've not played with any of that. I know it's got um, a lot of support for virtual machines and it's XP mode. I uh, haven't had a chance to play with any of that yet, but I okay. will drag out some of my older generation games that don't play nicely with the 64-bit environment that I run on and see how XP mode goes with those. Yeah, that'll so be interesting because... When I get a chance to play with it. So in XP mode, is it, does it effectively virtualize the, the application? Yeah, it runs a, it runs a virtualized machine. Uh, installation of XP and you run your applications. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, very smart. Mm. Oh, good. So, so it's, it's, uh, it's well worth the money, right? It is. It is. And there are many different ways to get it. And there are still a lot of good deals out there for um, upgrade versions or for fresh installs. Well, I think I might have to get myself a copy and put that on my uh, virtual machine here on my Mac and give it a, give it a will. Hmm. I'm intrigued now. Really am. <laughs> Looks like Apple have to, you know, keep keep their OS uh, nice and fresh. Otherwise, they're going to get overtaken by the guys from Redmond. Yeah, I would have expected some of these, those, you know, just the little neat little things of docking windows and the shaking and the moving stuff around to activate different stuff. I thought Apple would have come up with that first. That's that. It's, it's always very, been their thing. It is. It's a very Apple thing. Very <laughs> Apple. Uh, but you know, this one's from Microsoft, and it's new. It's not a copy of what Apple have done. They haven't done that, as you said. Oh. So uh, that's good. That's really good to see. Mm. I'm excited, and I haven't even got the product. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing what the multi-touch features of Windows Seven have. Oh yeah, it's supposed to have some uh, yeah, a bunch of multi-touch uh, stuff built in. Yep. Hmm. Alrighty, so the big news out there in the in the week just gone, uh, EMI is to offer instant concert recordings. Good on them. Something yeah. that's not new. Other places, other people have been doing it for quite some time. But it's kind of legitimized, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's not. Well, that's not the right word, but it's not kind the right of, word. But it's 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 uh, kind of going more mainstream, I, I guess you could say. Yeah, now, now that yeah, it's EMI. That's it. it's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's got a big mainstream backer. Yeah. So yeah, you basically go to a concert and you walk away, and you can download uh, the recording of the concert. Hmm. That's pretty awesome. That is indeed pretty awesome. I do have to admit that I prefer Willie Nelson's way of doing it, where you get on-the-spot concert recordings right after the show on flash drive. You can buy yeah, a that's... USB drive of the recordings of the show straight after the show so when you're that, buying your T-shirt to what... and your other stuff. And, I'll, you know, instead of going home afterwards and then having to download Download them. it, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. But the, the, either way, the concept is, is kind of nice, and I think it's kind of showing that the music industry is thinking a little outside the square they've been in for so many decades and looking Precisely. at different ways of, of monetizing. And, and yeah, this is, this yeah. is a, a good way. It, you know, it's, it is indeed because, you know, when you go to a concert, you do like to grab the um, – a classic example of a – well, I guess a consumer. I buy stuff. If it looks flashy. Uh, and if I go to a concert, I buy merchandise from that concert to give me a tangible reminder to those memories of that concert. 
And this is, you know, people will shell out an extra, you know, 15, 20 odd bucks for recordings of the concert they were at. Yeah, well, that's uh, the, the big because thing. Because of it? those memories for it. And exactly. because of that, you know, that crowd performer interaction which happens. You know, before this, the closest we've got is they'd sell, you know, merchandise and there'd always be a live CD. But it's not yeah. live, it's not the concert you were at. So no, if you went I, to venue X, Y, Z, uh, you know, this is what we're talking about here is the ability to, you know, after the, the event is grab a recording of the event at venue X, Y, Z. Precisely. And you can, you can actually tell people I was right there. I was at this, at this very one. And as you yep. said, it brings back those, that whole experience of a live show, which, uh, you know, which you really can't match by listening to to something either studio recorded or you know it's just not the same if it's some other venue. Mm, mm. And with a lot of those live recordings, it is yes, it's the live recording of the the song, but it might not be the live recording. Might not include any of the extra banter that might have happened between the performer and the crowd. Exactly, exactly. Especially when they go, you know, you know, good evening, Wellington, and you know, on the yeah. chairs and all that. You know, you yeah. you won't hear that. No, no. So this through this system you will, and th- this is great. It is. It's very cool. It's good to see a one of the the big labels actually taking a look at the way that they do business, the way that they interact with their customer, and what their customer actually wants, and seeing what other people have done, and how successful it has been for those others, and you know, getting on board with it. Well, I think what you've just said there is actually the guts of, of the whole story. The whole the, the story here really is the fact that, hey, the music industry is now, at least in this aspect, listening to what people want mm. and responding. So yep. that's really the, the, the theme behind that story. Yeah, precisely. Now, I also saw another story that uh, Canon <laughs> announced that it had a firmware upgrade for a, a camera. <laughs> fixes, fixes okay, those, those are two words that you don't well three words I guess three words you don't <laughs> hear or, or probably haven't heard ever before a firmware upgrade <laughs> for, for a camera I know it's crazy <laughs> yeah well it had this bug yeah a bug the other word is the bug it had a bug in this in the, in the software in the firmware on this camera on this Canon uh, 7D uh, EOS 7D camera and you'd get these ghost images where you'd see traces of the previous image on, on the one you've just taken. That would be just <laughs> the nastiest thing. It would be horrible. <laughs> That's the sort of thing you would expect from, uh, you know, a film camera who has the feed mechanism busted. Exactly. <laughs> In fact, that was the only time you'd get that on a film camera. If, if yeah. all, you know, if all parts, mechanical parts were working well, you can never get this problem before. And I think with this story here just goes to show how you know, as things become more and more electronic and more and more computerized, mm-hmm. there's more and more chance of getting bugs. And now we're seeing bugs in cameras, you know. Oh, my phone yeah. looks wrong because there's a bug. I mean, how yeah. annoying. I, to be honest, that this, to me, would be far more annoying because you can't always go back and get that snap again. You know, if you've yeah. just gone on a trip and you've taken <clears> photos of the yeah. Eiffel Tower and there's some ghosting of some previous photo, well, what are you going to do? Precisely. There's not a lot you can do. You're not going to go all the way back to Paris just for... I'm interested to see how it is that you actually update the firmware on a camera. Well... None of the digital cameras I've seen have the facility for you to update the firmware on them. I'm guessing, yeah, but I guess you'd plug it in by USB and you download a... Yeah, maybe there's more interactivity with the, the, the OS on this particular camera. 
than with most others because most well, others you, don't you have the facility. You don't well, have the facility at all to do an upgrade. You know what? You know what? It wouldn't surprise me if, if a lot of them did. We just don't know about it. It could and mm, it true, even needed true, to be used. Very true. It could just be that you know um, some of the others may one day, in fact, uh, you know some of the existing ones may need this, and mm. you'll be able to download a, a piece of software which goes via the USB cable and talks to it, and it's always been available. Yep. It's just you knew, you've never known because we've never needed it. True. Very true. Nobody ever really knows about the yeah. factory settings. Just a thought. Interaction with it. But I've just had, you know, a brain splurge here. Seeing as what their issue was, that, you know, it's making ghosting. And ghosting was something that you could previously do with a, a film camera. And lots of people did, you know, having some fun, make a, you know, double exposure. Uh-huh. I have not seen many cameras which allow you to do double exposures, not digital ones. Well, yeah, that's true. It's a true. brilliant feature, being able to <laughs> double expose a digital photo. Hey, you're starting to sound like Microsoft. It's not a bug, it's a feature. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only a feature if you get to choose. Well, yeah, well <laughs> that's, that's true. That's very true. It's a bug if it happens all the time. Yeah, well, that's true. I guess, I guess, <laughs> but no, I think with, that's a brilliant feature. More digital cameras <laughs> should have a feature allowing you to double expose <laughs> digital images. Maybe they'll build it into the next firmware. Maybe, maybe, maybe they've ghosting got on or off. Now. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they've got a toggle in the firmware now. Oh, funny, funny. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it is. Now, speaking of funny, funny, I'll tell you what else is funny is uh, there's a company called Bluebeat that was selling uh, tracks for you know digital downloads of you know music tracks for twenty five cents. Very, very cheap. Kind of makes you think twice about how legal this thing is because you know just seems to undercut everybody else. Mm-hmm. And they've been caught out because they were selling Beatles music and Beatles music is not available anywhere online at all, not even iTunes. Yeah, yeah. The Beatles are incredibly strict on the media that you can get. Oh, their absolutely. Music. Absolutely. And these, <laughs> the funny part is this, when they got caught out, they, <laughs> they responded. <laughs> How did they think they wouldn't get caught out? Well, That's the thing. Well, this you've is got the to wonder. talking about here. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, they've responded and said, oh, well, uh, actually, it's not a, uh, a copyright issue at all, you see, because what we're selling are psychoacoustic simulations of the actual track. So it's not the actual track we're selling, the psychoacoustic simulations. Having said that, they sound exactly the same. <laughs> I mean, it's- come on. Oh, but no, that's, <laughs> not, that's not the half of how twisted and bizarre this is. They've actually, the, the Blue Beats has actually gone out and applied for copyrights That's on right. their <laughs> right. new psychoacoustic simulations exactly. of Beatles. I know. Words. They've gone it's out and said, <laughs> the, the, actually, because of psychoacoustic simulations, they are that new means, things. They're they are we new own content. them. We have created them. <laughs> we own them. Oh, oh come oh, on. It's weird. It's, oh, God. I mean, who are it's, they kidding? You know? I know. Is this, you've got to wonder, is this some kind of, you know, weird poke at the at the United States copyright system and and laws on copyrights? Oh, surely or is it just laughing. some people really <laughs> thinking that this is, you know, going to make them a lot of well, money? As you said, <laughs> they, surely they can't be serious. I mean... I don't know. They're going to get laughed at at court and slapped with a with a fine or or, or something. I mean, mm. yeah, the whole thing's just ridiculous. But it's funny. It makes for a funny story. It is. It does make and for a funny story. What exactly is a psychoacoustic simulation? I mean, I, I think what they're trying to say is that it's not the original recording. They've kind of 
synthesized and simulated that track by doesn't say how but i'm guessing by samples and things like that i'm guessing but, it's when hannibal it's hannibal lecter doing the beatles because that way it's a psycho and it's <laughs> oh, acoustic and it's a simulation <laughs> it's hannibal lecter doing the beatles <laughs> uh, that could be one possibility i think that the whole thing's a complete lie is what i think but uh we won't know that until it goes through the court system but i, I think it's mm-hmm. just what they've made up I mean, what else? I mean, come on. Yeah. Are people I really like- want to I really want to see a really good description of what a psychoacoustic simulation is. Well, that that term doesn't seem to really bring up a lot, you know. I think they've kind of made that up. Oh, shall I wiki it? I, I don't think there's such a thing. They made it up. It's a complete made up thing, surely. <laughs> it makes for a great story on the boys of tech if anything. They've given it us does. It they, does they've helped great, us. Like, they've helped yeah. us with content. You know, they've given us another 15 minutes of, of content and entertaining content, I might add. Ooh, it, it does exist. So It's, re- it's real things. Psychoacoustics. It, what are psychoacoustics? Human psychoacoustics pers- is the su- study of subjective human perception of sounds. Alternatively, it can be described as a study of the psychological correlate of the physical parameters of acoustics. Right, so I guess what they're saying, a, a, simula- a, a psychoacoustic simulation would be a newly created track that in our head sounds to us just like you know the original recording, but isn't, and because it isn't, they own the copyright, etc., etc. Hmm, Wikipedia psychoacoustics. It's yeah, I've had a look at that. of interesting stuff in there. <laughs> so people at home, Google it and ha- have a look. It's well, I- funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, I don't, what else is there to say on this story, Brett? Or is that pretty much it, I think? I think we've done that one. There's nothing else to say. I think the whole story's a bit psycho, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's funny, though. But yeah, apparently, even after the story broke, they were still selling the, the same Beatles tracks for 25 cents. So, And mm. people have downloaded them just having seen the story and reckon they're exactly the same as the original tracks. They are the you know, what they're really saying is that, of course they're the original tracks. Uh, you, you, you're just saying that, that the psychoacoustic simulations is an excuse. That's what the people mm. think. But look, who really knows? I'm not going to pass judgment. Oh, weird. Very weird. weird. Uh, speak, hey, I'll tell you what, seeing we're on, on, on a roll about weird things, here's an interesting one. Someone, uh, in fact, by the name of Zach Gage has released a Mac game. Uh, and it's it's been classified as malware, <laughs> but it's, it's a game. Bizarre. You can download it's, it. It's a game. It's like here's well, my game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why it's, is it malware? You you tell us. Well, it's not where malware. He's quite right. It's not malware. It's idiotware, or what I would term idiotware. <laughs> idiotware. I like it. <laughs> it is a game. It's called Lose Lose, and it is a a game which is basically Space Invaders. People might have to cast their minds back to what Space Invaders was. The, the 80s was a long <laughs> time sure ago, Brett. And I'm sure the, the younger generation might have to Google it. Yep. But <laughs> basically, you have your little ship and you shoot a whole ro- rows and rows of alien invaders that are coming down to kill you. But in his version of this game, Lose Lose, each one of those alien invaders is representing a random file that is actually on your computer. So what happens when you shoot them? 
when you shoot that alien and destroy it, you destroy the file on your computer. Oh, that's bad. That's crazy. And if the aliens kill the player's ship, then the game itself will delete itself. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You can see how it's not really malware. It's more idiotware because you have to actually (laughs) engage with this. And it says blatantly in a warning when you open up the game that playing this game will result in files on your hard drive being deleted. So it's being open. It's telling you that, you know. It's telling you. You're going to lose files. If you play this game, it is going to destroy files on your computer. So I guess it's going to appeal to those who, who love playing with fire. There are people like that who, who love there to are, live on the edge and the, you know. There are people like that indeed. And all I can say to, to people who actively want to play this game is why don't you just unplug your computer, box it up and burn it? Because <laughs> I'm sure you'll get far more satisfaction out of that. <laughs> then destroying tiny little bits of your computer. Well, look, actually, I'll tell you what. i tell you what I might be inclined to do is on an old, old Mac, well, if it can run the game, bring up an old Mac, an older Mac, one I don't particularly care about that doesn't have any data, and play it on that and see how long the game can last before it kills parts of the OS to render it useless. <laughs> before it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you certainly well, wouldn't, as you say, you wouldn't play it on, on a real computer with real data. Well, it's, it's OS X. So you can only play it on on OS ten, right? Max, so which play yeah. OS, which, you know. In fact, you know what? I would I wouldn't even dare. So maybe you play, play this on this a virtual right before you're about to reinstall. I guess. Yeah, that could be one thing. Uh, I, you know, I, I still I wouldn't even <laughs> really? play this on a virtual <laughs> Mac. Yeah. It, uh, well, Semantic have have flagged it as malware. That's what they've done. Uh, that that was their response. They uh, Sophos is calling it a Trojan. Mm-hmm. So, it's not well, it's not because it's telling you, but yeah, look, they, I, I think they have it's to. It's not really malware. It's not really yeah, Trojan. Yeah, it is more, it is idiotware. It is, if but, you play this game, <laughs> it's going to do bad things to your computer. But, so, but you go into it knowing that it's going to do bad things to your computer. And if you play this game and you expect it not to do bad things to your computer, then that's where the idiot comes in. <laughs> If you actively play this game, and what I thought was the most funny is the creator of the game is actu- is actually surprised that people play it. Yeah, that's right. He said, "I'm surprised anyone has played it. I'm shocked." There, yeah, <laughs> there is there is a there is a, a, a you know at least forty players in the top forty, and the top player has a score of five thousand, which means five thousand files on that top player's computer have been deleted by this game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the whole thing's a joke, really. Surely it is. I mean, it's it real, but it's a joke. You know, he's, it's he's, real, but it's a joke. It's, a joke. Um, it's funny if you actively go into this, but can you imagine? Okay, imagine this scenario: you've got a Mac at home. It's your family computer, but it's also the computer you do other things. You know, maybe you do your budget, your accounting, and stuff for your household on it. And you've got children, and your children, you know, use the internet. And they download little games to play on the Mac. And one of them downloads this cool Space Invaders game. Yeah, see, that's, that's not so good. And then your child destroys your computer, your computer with all of your stuff on it. That's why the accounts that your children <laughs> use should never have admin rights. Indeed. 
should never have admin rights. But yeah, uh, I, I know what you're saying. You know, you can, you know, someone else on the computer may have, uh, yeah, oh man. But no, it crazy, is. Crazy, crazy, crazy. It's funny more for the fact that there are people who actually are playing it. But you know, to be honest with you, I might play it on a, you know, on a lab Mac, as I'm, uh, if I can call it that, not a production Mac, you know, a lab Mac, one with nothing on it, just, just for the fun of it. <laughs> just for the fun of knowing that you're completely destroying stuff. Well, I guess yeah, yeah. I can, I can, I can see that definitely. Because hearkening back to the the olden days, using Unix systems, you can get a a Doom game. So you know, a lot of people out there will remember what Doom is, yeah, uh, video game. But it's a Doom video game that is connected to the kill process for Unix. So basically, you run around with your shotgun, shooting the monsters and things that are rushing at you. But each one of those monsters represents a service that is currently running on your computer. Oh, so eventually, so eventually you crash gonna, your computer. Right. But That's it does cool. mean you can run around. You know, it's like instead of typing "kill space minus nine, so instead of doing that, you can just load up the Doom game and run around the level until you find the monster that you want to kill and shoot it. <laughs> That's just as crazy, you know. It I, is, but it's I, not quite as destructive as this one. No, because while no. that one may crash your computer, it doesn't yeah. do actual harm to any of the stuff on it. I, I've just this had, one <laughs> deletes your files. <laughs> I've just had a thought. Buddy. You know what he should do is he should have this networked and as you kill alien ships, you're deleting someone else's files, ooh, your opponent. Oh, yeah. Now that, that would be cool. Bring, that would bring in an interesting thing. That would be really cool. But, you know, bring in some more of that gambling spirit to it. It's a networked, a multiplayer game. And you don't know who it is. Who's on the other end? You don't know who's on the other end. Exactly. But it's there's more skill and strategy involved to it than just the Space Invader style. Space Invader style is just, you know, you shoot tons and tons of aliens, but bring in some more skill to it. Well, it could so, be a Doom. You could do that with Doom, maybe. You a, could. A Doom style. You could. That, that would be, be interesting. an interesting one. Yeah, there's far more skill. Wow. Well, this is huge... And some other stuff, and, and that, that would appeal to so many people out there who would be, you know, frustrated for whatever reason, and want to do a little harm, oh, get man, some stress you know, relief, <laughs> but are willing to accept that there's that reciprocal relationship going absolutely. on here. I'm going to do some damage to somebody else's system, but they're going to, in this reciprocal relationship, be able to do damage to mine, and I'm willing to accept that. Well, you know what? I, I that, actually go that, for that, I, <laughs> believe I, it or not. I would create a computer just for me to be well, able to. Of course, to yeah, yeah. It wouldn't exactly. It wouldn't be my primary one, but it would be fun. It would and, be, especially with th- that there proper is a, reciprocal relationship. You know what you're getting into. Yeah, and, and even, if you set up a machine, I can see, you know, tons of people setting up individual machines just to play this game on. Either that or virtual ones. Oh, yeah, or virtual ones, the, the spread of virtualization these days. But yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd actually <laughs> go for that. Until, I'd, I'd run love around that. until suddenly your machine no longer works because the other person has destroyed enough of the stuff so that it's completely well, corrupted. I think the appeal there. And you have to start again from well, exactly. scratch. Exactly. And I think the appeal there is the fact that you're actually damaging someone else's computer. And I know it sounds a bit sick, but it's kind of with their permission. And that's, well, that's, the, that's it's, the. It's, you know, it's. it's it's just like, oh, I was reading on the news recently of somewhere in, I think it was Europe, I think it was Europe, um, of a fight club, an actual fight club, like the movie Fight Club. 
a group, you know, a bunch of guys who get together and beat each other up. Okay. It's just like organized sports, like boxing and those sorts of things. But this is... They are a physical, you know, relatively violent sort of sport, but... They there is that reciprocal relationship of the participants in it. It's got a whole heap of benefits for when you come out of it feeling refreshed and such. So it's it's all part of that whole gambling part. And the things in our in our psyches that make us you know feel good. Well, if we take <laughs> it too bizarre, weird things. <laughs> well, if we take it too much further, we'll be back in the days of Rome and the Colosseum. Mm. Well, you know, because then is yeah, you don't want to go too far back to that sort of thing because well, most yeah. of those relationships weren't very reciprocal. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, 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 the ones elephants on. having a, had a good say in whether or not they were thrown in there to be slaughtered by well, them. Well, actually, that yeah. is true. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be proper, you know, reciprocal relationship going on there, consent and all that sort of stuff. Otherwise, it's... Yeah, but man, look, I tell you what, I want to see more of these games, networked ones. Well, in fact, we haven't even seen one yet, but I want to see see somebody do this now. Yeah, we want to see someone. (laughs) Yeah, I want to see someone build a networked game where you can basically delete someone's files. That's that's cool. Yes, that's gonna. Well, we should write (laughs) to the sky. There are tons of viruses and trojans and those sorts of things out there that do it already, but we want one where you actually physically engage with it, and there's that proper consent process going through none of this Trojan you play this game and we're not going to tell you that you're deleting other stuff and people are deleting your things it's got to be in your oh, face yeah. oh absolutely it's got to be open very very yeah. clear absolutely. very open very clear but it would be fun that would be fun it would be very fun <laughs> <laughs> this one I'm, I'm not it's, yeah this one does not appeal to me not even for that sort of you know <laughs> but yeah, um, this one, I agree. This one doesn't quite appeal to me either now that we've talked about this other possibility. Yeah, now we've talked about we, this other one, which sounds real cool now. I know, I know. <laughs> In fact, we should we should email this sack and, uh, and suggest what we've... Well, actually, we should make this clear that the reason he's actually created this game is part of his Master of Fine Arts thesis. So that's why mm. he's done that. Yeah. In case you're wondering. We didn't really say that at the beginning. Hmm. So I think I'll tell you what I'll send him an email and suggest that as as maybe it could be for his PhD. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, <laughs> network <brilliant>. version. <laughs> oh man! All right, I think we've got to wrap up the show. At least the international stories section. And look, I'll tell you what we'll, we'll we'll throw in a break right now. And when we come back, we'll look at the New Zealand stories for this week. Welcome back. Now, there's not really a lot on the New Zealand scene this week, but there was one story that kind of took my interest, and that is that the uh, poll on the New Zealand Herald site, nzherald.co.nz, was forced to close after someone skewed the results. Yes, somebody has found a way of packing in and skewing the results. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'll be be up front and say that I've done this kind of thing before. I've, I've skewed polls. Not because I have a, a political agenda or, or any sort of agenda, just because I like being a little naughty sometimes. <laughs> you know, I, you, it's not hacking. You're just it's one of those <laughs> because you can, because yeah, it's, it's there. One of those, yeah, because it's there and it allows you to. So long as you're not hacking, and I, I don't know how this was done. It doesn't say, but uh, you know, the stuff that I the polls I skewed certainly weren't by hacking. They were simply by using little tricks like uh, writing a script that. You know, submits a, a vote and then 
doesn't accept the cookie that's sent back so and just keeps resubmitting. That That's a very common technique. But some mm. of the polls get very smart and what they do is you have to first go to the site it sends you a cookie which you have to accept. You then send it back and it sends you a different ID and that's the one that gets sent to the poll and sometimes you have to kind of reverse engineer that and simulate that. That's mm. what I had to do for one of them. But yeah, this um, this is really not a real news story but it was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that they've taken it down now until they've worked out what's going on and how to stop it. Well, they've taken it seriously, haven't they? Yeah, they've taken it really seriously. They take their poll quite seriously. But it's just a, this, that's the crazy thing. These internet, these polls on, on websites are not really scientific at all. They're not, no. They're just fun they're not, polls. They're fun polls. That's all they are. They are fun polls, but, uh, you know, especially ones which come off of what is a reputable news website. They do want to have, you know, if it's blatantly skewed, they're going to want to do something about it. Yeah, I guess, I guess you would. If it's, you know, regularly skewed by people who vote on those polls but don't vote their actual intent, they vote what they think might be funny or, you know, they vote for something else because, it's, as you said, it's not a, it's not a real, legitimate, important poll. No. No. It's just a, you know, a, a garnering of public opinion. And some people vote contrary to what they normally would for the fun of it. And most of these sorts of polls accept that that sort of thing is going to happen. But when somebody is actively skewing the poll on a massive scale, which, which you know, this appears to have been, they are definitely going to want to stop that. Yep, so they've removed the polls for now. So on nzherald.co.nz, there are no more polls until they figure out a way of preventing people from skewing them. So there you go. Hmm. Anyway, that's pretty much all the stories for this week uh, and pretty much wraps up episode number 42. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Brad? Uh, no. Nope. Alrighty, time to wrap up episode number 42. Brad, thank you once again for co-hosting the show with me. Not a problem, Ed. And thank you to everyone else for joining us for episode 42. See you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. See you later.